What's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to Top in the Morning, where we talk about sports and a whole lot more. I'm Cameron, your host. This is an impromptu episode. Thank you for tuning in with me. Um, I haven't done an episode like this in a while, and I hope you're still tuned in to the episodes that I have been releasing, especially with my, my uh, Walk on O Block segments. So we're just going to jump right into this episode and talk about some recent current events. Uh, Cam Newton, we all know all-star quarterback Cam Newton was on a podcast recently. can't remember who the podcast was or who he was with, but he was asked would he sign with the Jets, and he said he would, but not for any less than $5.5 million. Um, Cam, come on. Like, the glory days are over. If the Jets call you and they offer you $1.5 million or whatever the vet minimum is and say, hey, we want you to come finish out the season and after that we're going to see where it goes and you don't take it because you're too prideful because it's not $5 million. Cam, you haven't been worth $5 million in I don't know how long. Like, I mean, you went back. You got re-signed to Carolina. You scored two touchdowns your first game back against Arizona. You said you're back, and you, in fact, were not back. And don't get me twisted. Like, don't get this wrong. Like, I am a big Cam Newton fan. Like, ever since he was at Auburn, really since he was at Blinn Junior College. You know, I followed him from Blinn to Auburn and to, you know, the first-round pick, first overall pick with Carolina. Like, I followed him for a long time. And I know what he was in his prime. I know what he can do in his prime, but he's just not there anymore. And the fact that he's still setting these ridiculous expectations for the league, essentially, to be like, hey, like, y'all still going to treat me like I'm a Josh Allen or like I'm a, you know, it's it's not going to happen. Like, you're not going to get paid like, you know, the vets who haven't been out the league and are still performing at a high level. You know, you got a chance with Carolina again. You got a chance with New England again. And, like, granted, I know it was a sucky situation. I know you went into New England and you got COVID and, you know, the the your help on, like, the outside your receivers and stuff like that weren't the best. But that's, that's kind of, like, my point, you know? Because, like, when you were at Auburn, you didn't – like, Cam Newton didn't play with, like, a single NFL player on that offense. Or should I say – we, they had some guys go to the NFL and, like, go to camps and stuff like that. But as far as, like, NFL career guys, like, he had, he didn't play with one single NFL career guy. And he took that team to a national championship and won. Like, we know what Cam Newton can do in his prime. Like, this dude was a dog. But he's not anymore. And, I mean, I think he's struggling to come to terms with it, which, I mean, I guess it's understandable. Like, you're, you're this guy, you're this Superman, and you just have this big fall off. And you think that – nobody else notices or you think that, you know, or everybody else notices, but you don't yourself. I mean, the first step of, you know, coming to terms or really your first step probably back in the league is admitting like, Hey, yeah, I, I understand. I am not what I was or even saying like, okay, I understand. I'm not a starter. I'll go ahead and be a backup. And I know he made a video saying like there's certain quarterbacks he would back up, but I don't think he's at liberty to say you know what I mean? Like, I don't think he could say, yeah, I, I'll sign the backup, but only to these teams. If if I'm, like, an a NFL GM or whatever, I'm like, Cam, you're signing as a backup, period. Like, you're just here to mentor the starting quarterback. That's it. You know, you know, obviously, if the starting quarterback goes down, you know, he's still, I think, capable 
of leading an NFL roster and NFL team. I'm not saying like to the playoffs or to the Super Bowl or whatever, but he's still capable of like semi playing well. But he hasn't been that way in so long that I don't understand why he's making this case of, okay, I was signed to Jets, but no less than $5.5 million. You're not worth that anymore. Like, sorry. I'm Like I said, I'm a big Cam fan. I'm not a Cam hater, but I also got to be honest, you know, with, with myself he's got to be honest with himself with everybody else watching like cam's not that guy anymore he's not superman anymore he's not that 2014 carolina panther superman dab on him cam newton anymore and you know it sucks to say but that's just the facts that's just the facts so you know it would be nice to see cam newton back in the league one day but at the same time if he's never back in the league because of where, where what his stance is and how much he thinks he should make I guess so be it. So that's it for that. That's that's my rant. And uh, moving forward, you know, talk about USADA or USADA, as some people like to call it. And that is the drug testing agency for the UFC who has essentially parted ways with the UFC uh, after their basically their ethic code was or UFC went against their ethic code. Hunter Campbell is a guy who works very closely with Dana White, who's the commissioner of the UFC. And he said, quote, the UFC is at least open to the idea of athletes taking substances to recover from devastating injuries based off the science and long-term performance enhancing benefits over the coming years. And now the big conversation around this is with Conor McGregor. So they said Conor McGregor was treated differently than any other fighter in recent years. And now the UFC saying they got their own drug testing thing, you know, now that uh, USADA has parted ways with them. And, you know, Actually, my thought on this is I understand where Hunter Campbell is coming from. Like these guys go into a cage and they basically, for lack of better terms, risk their life every single time they go in a cage. And we saw the last fight with Conor McGregor against Dustin Poirier where he had a nasty, nasty, nasty leg break. And if you haven't seen the fight, you know, go watch it. And, you know, he had to have surgery and – you know, any general population guy or girl who has surgery, they're going to be put on steroids in there to get them back to whatever they do. I mean, you can be working in the office. They're going to put you on steroids to get you back in the office quicker. And they're going to put you on steroids just to sit in the cubicle. They'll put you on steroids to get you back on your feet if you're doing construction or something like that. I mean, that's like a natural, well, I wouldn't say, yeah, I guess a natural and understandable process to recovery is going on these, you know, kind of steroid things to help you heal quicker. So I personally don't have a problem with, you know, athletes, you know, after these major, major, major surgeries. Now, I understand, like, if you get in a fight and you just have bruises everywhere and you're taking steroids, I like, tighten up, you know, just, you know, whatever. But Conor McGregor's ankle was, like, not intact. Like, the thing was flopping around like an elephant nose. Like it just wasn't intact. So I think that the fact that he was on steroids for a little bit to try and get his body back to where it was, and like he just re-entered the USDA USADA testing pool, and then now they're like cutting ties with him. But you know, I think it's as long as there's no like if you drug test the day before the fight and they're clean, I mean, okay, cool, they can fight. Now if they're taking steroids their their whole camp and then like a couple days before the fight, like you test them and they have steroids in the system. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like 
find them, do whatever. But it, I think it's a natural part of recovery. And I think that it's kind of like if you work in a corporate job or if you work like at Food Line or Walmart or stuff like that, and you're like, or and they say, hey, we're going to drug test. It's like, why, why are you going to drug test me? Like what I do on my own time is none of your business. And if I'm not on drugs or high or drunk or whatever at work, then why should it matter? Correct. Why should it matter? So these guys, their work, I guess, can be considered like during camp or whatever. So if they're on steroids anytime during camp, then cool. Like you can probably fall because like, you know, you sign a contract and then you got the date. And then, you know, from then on, it's like your camp period. So after you sign a contract to fight, there shouldn't be any steroids in your system. Yes. But if you have an injury and you're taking steroids to, you know, get back into the the field of fighting and get back healthy enough to fight this brutal combat sport. And then once you sign a contract, like you're off steroids, I don't see a problem with that. You know, I don't see a problem with that. And now that could be the way it is. I'm not sure. But, you know, if it isn't like I, I, I don't see a problem with that. So but the US ADA cut ties with them. And so they'll end their partnership with the UFC January 2024. So we'll see starting next year what's really going to happen. But um, yeah, those are the two things I really want to talk about today. Cam Newton and the USADA, you know, two you know big things in, in my book that kind of happened. So we'll see what happens with the UFC. But this Saturday, uh, not this Saturday, this Saturday is the 14th. Next Saturday, the 21st, we had some shakeups. Charles Oliveira was supposed to fight Islam Mahachev for the championship in the lightweight division. But he got a really bad cut on his eyebrows. So he had to pull out, and he got replaced by Alexander Volkanovsky, who is now fighting him for the second time. He's a featherweight champion, so now he's trying to go for the double champ again. Arguably beat Islam last time, but now he's fighting again on 10 days' notice, which is pretty crazy. So salute to him. And Paulo Costa, who was supposed to fight against, um, I can't think of, but Kamzat, Hamzat, Hamzat Shemaev. And at middleweight, actually, and they're both really like welterweights or whatever. No, 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 no. I lied. Paulo is a natural middleweight. Hamzat is a is a welterweight. And so Paulo pulled out because he had surgery on his elbow and got staph infection, I think. So he had to pull out. And Kamar Usman replaced him, who is a natural welterweight. He's fighting up at 185. So two natural middleweights fighting at 185 in the co-main event on October 21st in Abu Dhabi. I think they're in Abu Dhabi. That'll be dope. So I think I'm going to have to go to, like, I don't know, Sports and Social and watch that. I got to go somewhere and watch that. But, you know, that's going to be amazing. So um, I would talk about Paul and Dennis, but I don't know anything about them. And I really don't care all that much. So y'all can keep that. And then you need to stay off my Twitter feed. But this has been another episode of Top of the Morning. Like I said, I'm Cameron, your host. Hopefully, by the time this video posts, my Patreon will be launched. So I do have a Patreon. It's $2 a month. You can see exclusive content. You get videos early, things like that. And like I said, $2 a month. So just if you can support me, that would be great. That'll help me, you know, support my habits of buying your microphones and, you know, just bring you more content, more and more content, you know, and just have some fun with this. Uh, make sure you follow me on Instagram. Make sure you like and subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'll give you a couple seconds to go ahead and do that now. Yeah. Okay. So like, and subscribe. Cool. 
Thanks. Make sure you turn the bell on, get all my notifications. So this has been another episode. Appreciate y'all for tuning in. Holla y'all next time.